0: uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Heels podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And hello. It's um, been a minute since we've recorded. It's been a rough couple of weeks, I think, for both of us.
1: Yeah, we, we really put off recording for a while. We've gone through some uh, stress, tragedy. Both? We've been busy.
0: Um, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Will that help? Your, uh, I think yours is more fresh. I've had a little more time for acceptance.
1: Yeah, you start.
0: Okay. Um, it's been a really rough week. Uh, one of mine and Cody's cats passed away. He got real, real sick. And the day before his last vet appointment, we just, we found him. We don't want to go into it. Anyways, um, so there was that. And then we also found out the first round of IVF did not work. So now we're just waiting to do the next one. Um, And then that's kind of where my rough, roughness has been. Um, uh, on my side
1: of things, we, uh, Tuesday, so maple has been sick, nothing, nothing major, like a little lethargy and she stopped eating. So we took her to the vet and, Mm -hmm. uh, they thought it was, uh, an infection. So they kept her overnight and it, the next day, I was talking with James saying like, okay, well, I'm going to go get her, you know, on my lunch break and take her home. And then when the vet called that morning, uh, there was no improvement. So they did x-rays and they found that she was in um, very advanced lung cancer, which was just hard because there was there was no warning. There were no signs uh, there was like no coughing or Anything like that. So uh, I was inconsolable, to say the least. Um, luckily, I know there's a lot of bosses out there. I've had a lot of bosses that mm-hmm. if I was like, hey, I'm leaving work, my dog's uh, not going to make it past the day, then I wouldn't have been. You know, they would have given me crap for it. Luckily, my job and my coworkers were awesome. And I told my boss, like, hey, I got to go and I won't be back today. And she was like, that's fine. So... Yeah, we've just been kind of,
0: kind of dealing with that. Um, so, needless to say, we we've had a rough couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. It's been sad over here, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's been real, real sad. So, I think I've got a present for Amanda on its way, though, for Maple. Um, I'm not good at consoling, so no, neither of us are. So <laughs> that's we just send each other gifts. Yeah, like. The day I told Amanda IVF didn't work, she sent me food. I was like, this is the best thing that could have happened. I'm like crying. I'm like, thank you so much for the food.
1: I think I literally sent you something along the lines of, I'm not good at this. Eat some food about it or something. <laughs>
0: yeah, Eat your pain away. Uh. I could not do that because I don't have your work address. And also, it, like I was getting, you know, basically minute by minute updates. Um. So I sent you something else. It'll be a few weeks before it's there, but you're welcome. I'm still It'll excited. It'll be there. Thank I mean, you. I can show you now if you really want, but it also can be a surprise.
1: Yeah, I'll let it be a surprise because I also told okay. James that you sent us something. So, Oh, no, it's just for you. Okay, even better.
0: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> uh, I didn't think about James in the process. so <laughs> It's just That's for fine. you. He'll live. I mean, I guess I guess he can use it if he wants, but <laughs> I don't I don't really see him doing that. So <laughs> sorry. Um, other than that, I think we um, we were doing tearing the bandaid off, getting the sad stuff out of the way. I did have
1: one more story. Um, this was before all that happened. I was going to talk about it and I wrote it down. So I would remember. So to try to alleviate some of that. That awkwardness from earlier, awkwardness tension. I don't know the sadness.
0: We're not. Yeah, we, we want to move past that because I think both an, Amanda and I are at a point where we're like, we just don't want to talk about it. Like we're trying to move on and not think about it yeah. and cope in our own ways. I'm
1: dehydrated. I don't want to cry anymore. So, so let us see So I did go to my aunt's this weekend before all that happened. Uh, my cousin are back in the country because her and her husband are on a mission trip to Laos, and they came home for the summer. So, mission trip? I don't know. They teach English. Okay, okay,
0: they're out doing something good. I don't know. Yeah, they're
1: doing, like, great with their lives, and they're in their 20s. So, uh, yeah, more successful than me and all
0: that. So, that's, that's fine.
1: Okay. We don't talk about that. <laughs> basically, they had, like, a coming home for party. It, this is, it's, it, well, I think it's funny, but they had a coming home party. I went there. And before I went home on Sunday, my... Cousins from Mississippi, they were also there and they were like, Hey, we want to go to Bucky's. Have you ever heard of Bucky's, the gas station?
0: I have heard of Bucky's. I've never been to a Bucky's and I don't understand the allure of a Bucky's, but I, again, I've never been to one. Okay. So I have now been to
1: one and I hate it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand it. I was anxious the whole time. So Bucky's is like a mix between a gas station, a Kroger, And a Hobby Lobby. That's too stressful. It's really weird. They had like a hundred gas pumps. Just finding a parking spot is out of control. And when we walked in, it was chaos. There were people all over. And this place is open 24 hours. I cannot imagine working at Bucky's. How do y'all do it? But there are people everywhere. Everything was really expensive. Like, there were, okay, so they did have, like, it was like a deli counter, but for beef jerky. And I was like, okay, hold on. I got to go check that out. And they had all different kinds of beef jerky for $34 a pound. Pardon me? That is so expensive. I took one look and I was like, Annie, let's go. We're not, this is (laughs) not. (laughs)
0: This is not the store for us, okay?
1: I did get her a puppet and she likes it. But like. Uh, and a pecan log and some glazed pecans that's what I left with and that was like 22 dollars that's no just Amazon no. it I will from here on out I just don't I like it the people in the store they're all wandering aimlessly there's no flow of traffic like pedestrian traffic in the store so everyone's just walking around all willy-nilly I don't like it's not for me I hate it a lot of my mobile friends are gonna hate me for saying that, but you know what? I'll say it again. If I could take it back, I would never go ever. Okay. Noted. Yes. Do not go to a Bucky's. Done. Um easy yeah. peasy. If you're not good with crowds, don't go to Bucky's.
0: Listen, I just looked up all their locations and most of them are in Texas. So I guess I just Sorry, don't, Texas.
1: don't go to Texas. Yeah. Or don't go to Bucket. I'll keep going to Love's, okay? They are also open 24 hours. And one of them I know has a Denny's in it. Because I slept in their parking lot before when I was traveling.
0: So. Most, or not most, a lot of the Love's have like a Denny's or something like that attached to it.
1: I only know of one. Because I parked like directly in front of the, (laughs) directly in front of the windows. Because I was like, look, if I'm going to get robbed
0: while I'm taking a nap here, I want somebody to notice. You want the chance for somebody to see. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's an adventure. I mean, I went into a crowd too, but I knew what I was doing. No. Okay. I took a, I took a little sister, my little sister to the carnival. She could not go on any rides. So that was fun. There was a meltdown there, but that's (laughs) its own issue. She's, um, she had surgery on both of her feet. So she's in boots. Oh, the um, so rides are kind of out of the question. Well, we tried. It wasn't lack of effort, even though some of them I was like, this is like a little kid ride. Nothing's going to happen to her feet on this. It's fine. We're doing a makeup in July. It's it's <laughs> we're fine. Okay, so she'll be boot free by then, I guess. Well, she should be boot free by hopefully next week. So uh, by the time you guys hear this, it's she should be boot free. So Point is, is that I also know what uh, the crowd was like, but not at Bucky's. This was also self-inflicted. I knew that we were going somewhere with a crowd.
1: So we both um, had our fill of crowds,
0: it sounds like. Uh, Yes. Yes, we did. I I think we both were just done with crowds. But I think that's all the updates we have, unless you have anything else.
1: No, I think that's it. I hate Bucky's. That's it.
0: Okay, well the Bucky's fans will come for you it's fine
1: bring it i don't even care <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right before we get on to stories uh if you guys want to see pictures from our episodes you can go see those on instagram hell on hills podcast um uh, facebook hell on hills podcast twitter hell on hills pod we also have our discord and our patreon those are both up and going if you want to join us on either of those platforms uh what was the other one i was gonna say I have no idea. Oh, Linktree. That's what it was. If you have any issues looking up any of those things, just go to Google Linktree Hell on Heels Podcast. We should be the first one that comes up. And that's going to have all the links to all of the things. Um, And then I think other than that, I'm ready for a story.
1: Okay. Well, I'm really glad I did this one. um, Because I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all right now, it's not true crime. And we needed that. This is a survivor story. And I think we we all needed to pick me up, even if you're not me or Bryce.
0: <laughs> even if we, you're not struggling the past two weeks like us. Yeah,
1: I, I think we all needed this. And plus, Bryce has really been coming in hard and hot with the um <laughs> with the true crimes lately. <laughs> and I didn't want to do one. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> It's not my fault. You, oh yes, yeah, completely your fault. They've been so aggressive lately with the
0: tragedy. It's, the stories call to me. I can't control what calls to me. You can absolutely control what calls to you. You just put in your damn earbuds
1: like everybody else and turn on a podcast, preferably ours. Maybe someone else's. It's cool.
0: Well, I, okay. I can't get inspiration if I'm listening to us. We've already done those stories. We are inspiring a shit. Okay. That's fine, but when I need a new story idea, I'm not going to get it from listening to us. Okay, fine, but just don't get it off that damn website. Just skip all of the websites.
1: Just skip them. Get it from a book, okay? Go on Kindle and pick a book. And I know I'm already going to hate saying that. Hold on one second. Oh, son
0: of a bitch. Well,
1: I did it, guys. I don't even know what I did, but I know I did
0: it. So with that being said, Crap. I did forget to mention something. Uh, Cody and I went to Barnes and Noble the other of day. She did. I don't know why. I got to text him. Why did he let you go there? Um, well, I mean, that was different reasons. He actually wanted to go. I just benefit. Um, I did get two books. Is
1: one of them a true crime? Both of them are true crime. Oh my god! What did I do? Um,
0: I got a book about the family next door, the turban children. You know that story, right?
1: (gasps) I do know that story. Uh, John Glatt? John Glatt's wonderful.
0: Yeah. So, got that one. Okay. And then, um, I don't remember who this one is, but this one's called Hell's Half Acre. Um, But it's in Kansas. I can't remember who. The Benders. (gasps) The The Bloody Benders? Yes.
1: Okay. So, both of those would
0: be good stories. I'm just saying, you told me to get a freaking book. Mm -hmm. I've got multiple books. I've got two in my hand.
1: Well, pick one. Don't go back to that damn website because both of those are pretty tragic.
0: So you got to okay. right there. I'm just telling you that you told me that I could not go back to the website for 60 days. I ignored that rule. I went back, and then I didn't go back. And you didn't like the story I found, not on that website. So, just what do you Google to find these stories?
1: Crazy true crime stories. <laughs> I need you to use a different adjective. Please. Insane true crime stories. Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> Jaw-dropping true crime stories. Oh,
1: my God. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so, I have a survivor story. And it's like, I... look, y'all, she has an autobiography out. I mentioned it at the end. It's a freaking page-turner, okay? I never, I just, okay, let's just get into it. So, I'm going to be telling the story about Julianne Kopko. He's a badass. Okay. Period. Point blank. The end. She was born in Lima, Peru, October 10th, 1954. And both of her parents were zoologists. So immediately, this is just a brilliant freaking family.
0: I was just thinking, um, zoology seems like a lot to do, though. It would be very interesting. It does seem like a really hard subject.
1: Oh, They took it and ran. You said a lot to do. Just wait. Oh, okay. (laughs) Maria and Hans Wilhelm Kopka were her parents, and they both focused on Bryce's nightmare, ornithology.
0: Um, why? (laughs) I just, like, why? That was their,
1: uh, I guess, their study of, of choice. That's what they loved. I don't know there's something wrong with them. (laughs) But now they honestly sounded like they were just all things plant and animal. When Julianne was born, both of her parents worked at Lima's Museum of Natural History. And when she was around 14 years old, they moved to this tiny little area called the Amazon Rainforest. Oh, okay. Yeah, where they established... The Panguana Research Station. Her parents the- established this. It's still there today. And now it is, it's out of control. It is a sanctuary. It's, it's huge. It's thriving. So, yeah, when you said there's a lot to do, they took that and they were like, pish posh, hold on.
0: They're like, uh, there's nothing we can't do. Watch this. Yes.
1: They were literally in the middle of the freaking Peruvian jungle. They were days away from civilization. And they were studying the plant and the animal life there. Now, I have a picture of this on the drive. They lived in a hut that had been previously abandoned. This hut, it was on stilts. It had no full walls. It was almost like a balcony. Or like if you've ever been hiking, you know, the lookout points. That's just like a roof with half walls that's what they lived in and she said there was always bugs there there was always just whatever could get into it there was always stuff in their hut with them
0: no thank you hard pass
1: while they were there her parents taught her not only how to appreciate study and nor- nourish 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 and- <laughs> <laughs> nourish the end i'm really excited about this story okay and nourish the animals and the environment but they also taught her like what to be wary of what to completely avoid and how to survive in this this
0: freaking jungle i love that you struggled for words on that and it's literally a you know the rainforest and that's why because like i cannot even imagine
1: camping in it and they just freaking lived there for years They're like, no big deal. No big deal. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. We're just days away from anybody. It's cool. We can do it. And they did. They
0: don't need anyone. They're strong, independent peoples. They, y'all, they got it. If anyone has it, the Kopkas got it. Okay.
1: Julianne, while they lived there and as she was growing up, she helped her mother nurse hundreds of sick and injured birds back to health. They never had one die. Not one bird. Hundreds of birds over all these years. None of them died.
0: Uh, Look, I'm just saying um, I don't (laughs) like birds. So as long as they're kept in the rainforest, we're fine.
1: Oh, well, there are other animals in this story, too.
0: Okay, well, I mean.
1: You're not going to love it.
0: I'm just saying keep the birds in the rainforest. Okay, got you. Okay. They taught her from a young
1: age what to eat. In the Amazon, what plants and animals were poisonous or venomous. And especially how animals acted and when like she needed to be cautious of them. So their mannerisms and how they behaved around humans. But they also taught her how to find her way around the jungle without technology. You know, because they didn't have much. So they taught her how to live safely and in peace with the jungle. So they're out here really like... Just living. I can't imagine. I like my air conditioning. Is there really a way to
0: live safely in the jungle? If there was, they knew how. Okay, they've got the secret code.
1: Yes. When Julianne was 17, educational authorities were really upset with the fact that she was just in the forest watching and helping her extremely educated parents work. Now, she was being homeschooled, but they wanted her to go back to school and take her exams or she wouldn't graduate. But but that defeats the whole purpose of homeschooling. That's what I felt. And also, like, both of your parents are extremely
0: successful zoologists. Who better to homeschool a child? I'm just, that doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make
1: sense to me either. I, w- I would want to say, like, maybe her parents were more qualified to teach her but I don't know. Uh she was enrolled in Dutch School Lima Alexander von Humboldt and it's a German international school that was in Lima and it's a very prestigious private school. So they might have had, you know, like severely qualified severely qualified? Yeah, sure. Severely qualified teachers teaching these kids since it was so I think
0: your word you're looking for is highly.
1: That's a better one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: i I mean i guess the only reason that i would think like oh they want her to go back is if they can see like hey you guys aren't she's not passing these homeschool or whatever requirements we have for the homeschool Mm -hmm. but i still i guess right there it's kind of fuzzy for me because there's got to be a reason behind (laughs) them wanting her
1: no i completely agree and from what i read like She did. She did go back to school. Her parents, I imagine they were like, fine, whatever. But her parents did send her back. And she flourished, which is also just wild, because she's been living in the jungle for years. And then she hops on a plane. And the next day, she's in high school. And she's doing great. She's making friends. She fits in easily.
0: She's just showing them. She's like, screw you for making me come out of the jungle. Yeah, like, have you ever seen Mean Girls? It's hard to adapt after that. (laughs) And she
1: just did great. She was like, cool, okay, here's all my friends. Let's go to school. So in 1970, she that's when she went back to Lima, and she stayed with her family while she went back to school. She graduated high school on December 23rd, 1971, right before Christmas. And her mother, Maria, traveled back to Lima to be there for her graduation, and they were hoping to fly back together and they wanted, Maria especially, wanted to get home. She wanted to be with her husband for the holidays.
0: I think that's fair.
1: I, I would completely agree with that, yeah. They booked their flight back on December 24th. And it was so close to the holidays that they only had one option to fly back. Lanza Airlines. Hans apparently begged his wife to take a different flight. Because Lanza wasn't, um, it was not highly rated. We'll put it that way.
0: They're like Spirit Airlines back in the day. Worse. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, Spirit. (laughs) I shouldn't talk. I take Spirit whenever it's like a quick flight. So.
1: And this was the flight that they were taking. They couldn't go back to Panguana. Obviously. I'm sorry. I keep wanting to say Pangea. They couldn't go back to Panguana because there were no flights there. So they flew to the closest town and it was only like an hour long flight. But at the time, Lanza Airlines—it was a a Peruvian commercial airline. They they were established in 1963, and they ceased operating in 1972. And when I looked up why, according to Wikipedia, it was because their planes had already been phased out, were lost in accidents, or were grounded in Lima as inoperative.
0: Oh, okay. That's Mm -hmm. I don't want to say comforting.
1: Yeah. Since Maria. Wanted to go back home so bad. Even though her husband begged her not to, she went ahead and booked a flight for her and Julianne on Lanza's last remaining plane in their
0: fleet. It was the only one they had left. Man, slow down. Uh The world is screaming at you not to go. Like, it's their last last one ever. I'm guessing, you know, there's no way she could have known
1: that. But, like, holy crap and everybody was fighting to get on this plane too because it's it's just it's christmas eve and it was the last flight that wasn't completely booked so maria and julianne along with 89 other people boarded the plane and started on their journey and in her book this is just wild maria said or excuse me julianne said that everybody was in a good mood they were excited to be going home for the holidays Uh, She said people were boarding the planes with, like, presents and packages. And, like I said, the flight was only about an hour long. But halfway through, they encountered a storm front. And she said what's strange was that instead of avoiding the plane. No, that's wrong. Instead of avoiding the storm, the pilot flew directly into it.
0: Uh, Uh Uh-huh. I think that's opposite of what you're supposed to do i'm not a pilot or anything but as a passenger i would not be having that i hate flying when it's like stormy oh it's mm-hmm. the worst
1: yeah and you know you're right uh from what i read that is the exact wrong thing to do but apparently the pilots had been under like extreme pressure to get to you know point a to point b in as little time as possible Because it's the holidays and they're so backed up and they were actually behind schedule as it was. So they made the decision to just go right through instead of around like you are supposed to do.
0: Nobody will know. It's It's
1: fine. It was not
0: fine. It was not fine.
1: Julianne said that it was all of a sudden pitch black in broad daylight and lightning was flashing all around them. She saw a flash of white light, and she said the tip of the plane started diving steeply downwards. And she actually said that they were in one of the last rows, and she could look down and see directly into the cockpit.
0: Oh, hell no. Nope.
1: Nope. She said that people were screaming and crying for help. The turbines were roaring. But as clear as glass, she hears her mom say quietly and calmly, now it's all over. And then the plane took a sharp nosedive. The right wing of the plane had been struck by lightning. And the plane started to fall apart before plummeting to the ground.
0: Um, I don't think that's what's supposed to happen.
1: It's not. It's not at all. Um, when Now, the of flight obviously never showed up. And when nobody heard anything from them, they immediately launched a search. Hans Wilhelm Kopka... He never knew his wife and daughter were on this flight. He thought that Maria, you know, took his advice or listened to him pleading with her and got another flight. He found out that they were on this flight the next day when they were listed as passengers on the news. Can you freaking imagine?
0: I would have a complete meltdown.
1: Yeah, I would. I I don't know. I don't even know. I would have to be institutionalized probably because I would I would break down. Now, Julianne, she says that she blacked out during the crash. But when she came to, she was still strapped in her row of seats and it was a row of three seats. Julianne was in the middle. She was still strapped in and she was spiraling 10,000 feet to the rainforest below. She woke up as she was hurtling towards the earth.
0: I think that's the least ideal time to wake up.
1: I read that she fell at 45 meters per second. That's 166 miles per hour. No, thanks. She was in the middle seat and she was by herself. She had no idea where her mom was because she wasn't beside her anymore. And... As she was falling, she said she kept, like, blacking out and coming to. She crashed through the canopy of the forest and she blacked out again as she hit the ground. And then she woke up. She survived the roughly two-mile fall. How? Nobody knows. Wear your seatbelt, I guess? Like, I don't understand how. They do think that that had a lot to do with it. The seatbelt. But they, she thinks that maybe the, uh, the storm front caused, like, resistance as she fell. And along with her still being strapped into the seats, the seats obviously caused resistance. And then the canopy of the rainforest is so dense that could have also broken her fall a little bit. But basically, scientists have argued back and forth over how the hell she survived this. So when she woke up, she wasn't in her seatbelt anymore. She was under the seats. And from the way she described it, it sounded like they were kind of like a makeshift shelter. And she thinks that she had come to at some point and released herself from the seat belts and crawled under the seats because it was raining. She was soaking wet from the rain. She was covered in blood and mud. She had a deep cut on her right arm and it sounded like it was kind of like on the back of her arm because she had to really strain her neck to be able to see it. She had an open gash on her leg. She ruptured a ligament in her knee. And she had a broken collarbone. Which makes me really nauseous just to even think of. But she said that both ends had pushed up one on top of the other. But it did not break the skin. So she didn't really feel any pain from it. Nope. She had a cut over her left eye. And this cut was so bad her eye had swollen shut. And she lost her glasses. Girl. Oh, and no big deal. She also had a concussion. On top concussion. of all of this other
0: shit. I can only imagine. Like, I've yeah. never even had a concussion. So she's got all this shit. hmm
1: And she girl. later in her book, she actually, she was kind of, she said the concussion kind of worked in her favor because it made her mind really foggy. So all she could think about was survival, was what she needed to do to survive. Mm-hmm. D- look, I had a headache last night and I went to bed early and she's over here like falling out of a plane. <laughs> so she crawled out from under the seats and she stood up and she immediately blacked out again. So she woke up the next day and every time she stood up, she would pass out or she would be like on the verge of passing out. And she kept trying to get up regardless of this. And she eventually pulled herself onto her knees. She kind of chilled there for a while. And after a while, she moved to her feet. And this is when she stood up and she looked around and she said the reality of the situation she was in really hit her. And she said there wasn't much wreckage around her. And she was completely alone.
0: Oh, that would not. Nope. No, thank you.
1: She at this point was determined to find her mother, but before she did that, she had enough wherewithal to put on her oxygen mask and she started looking for water. She drank the water off of the leaves around her because it's the rainforest, it had rained, and there wasn't any you know water source near her, so I, w- I wouldn't have even thought to do that. First of all, I would be looking poison ivy, but she knew. Well, she knew what to avoid because she grew up here. So that's how she survived for the first little bit
0: was she would uh, lick the water off of the leaves. Oh, God, I don't even I'd be like, why? What do I do now? I just sit there not knowing what to do. Yeah, as
1: a grown ass adult. Yes, I would be like, okay, I think on Naked and Afraid, he like drank pee or something, which no, you're not supposed to do that, by the way. But She started looking around the crash site for anything that might be useful, and she found basically nothing. She did find a bag of candy and a Christmas Stollen, which I had to Google, and it's like a German fruitcake. But she said she left that there because it had sat in water for two days. It was muddy. It was gross. So she took the candy. She left the Stollen, or Stollen, I don't know, I'm sorry. And she did later say that she really regretted not taking that with her. Uh, Okay. She could hear, oh my God, this is, she could hear the rescue teams above her in the helicopters. But she had no way of signaling them because it's the damn rainforest and they can't see through the canopy because it's so thick. So all this is happening already. And you can hear these people looking for you and you're just helpless.
0: You're like, I can't exactly yell to get your attention.
1: Exactly. So she eventually realized that they're never going to see her. And she decided to follow the sound of water. And she eventually found a river. Or excuse me, it wasn't a river. She found like a little spring that turned into a rivulet. Which is what I I had to Google that because I've never heard that word. And apparently it's just it's a super tiny stream and she just follows it because she knows that, you know, eventually this is gonna take her to water, and it does. Again, I wouldn't have
0: known that. I would have just been like, oh, where's this water going? I don't know. We, You and I would both be dead a couple times over at this point. Oh, absolutely. She
1: followed this rivulet and I'm gonna keep saying it now because I learned a new word, but she followed it and this wasn't just, you know, a simple little walk down the riverbanks. This it was it was just a tiny little stream. So she really had to follow it. And she had to travel through bushes. She had to climb huge rocks and fall and like fallen trees. She's already fell out of a plane and now she's having to climb shit. So it did slowly get bigger and it eventually opened into a stream. And she was exhausted, and it was starting to get dark, so she found a suitable place to sleep. I don't know where that is in a rainforest, but she did. And she slept next to the stream that night. When she woke up, it was December 28th, so this is roughly, yeah,
0: four days after the crash. But she's got wounds, like she's, uh uh-huh. she had a gash, like she's severely injured. Oh yeah, she's got like open wounds. I'm going to just climb this tree and sleep for the night. Like, I, never. I'd be too busy going, there's blood. Some, Someone help. Yes. <laughs>
1: and no food. She has a bag of candy. And she would slowly eat it one piece at a time.
0: I'd, hell no. That'd be gone in a minute for me. <laughs> like, I'm starving. Okay. Yes.
1: So she woke up. It was December 28th. And this is the day that her watch stopped. So after this, she just had to, like, guess and try to keep track and count the days
0: I hate when their watches stop I Why hate does that Why the
1: watches have to stop she's been through I enough know. I mean I guess at least it lasted when it did I, but it's still the worst She kept following this winding stream through the rainforest so it's you know it's not just a straight shot no she's having to oh she's having to follow this thing and she finished her last piece of candy so she's still hungry she just starts drinking water from the stream and by this point it was a river and she was still following it when she heard a familiar sound I don't know if I'm saying this right because I forgot to google it but it's called a hoatzin, and it's a subtropical bird that nests exclusively near water where people tend to settle so she's got a newfound hope she hears these birds all the time and she hurries through the forest I mean as much as she can And she finds the bank of this huge river with not a soul in sight. And she's heartbroken at first because she really expected to find people here. And she can hear the helicopters fading away. And she said she felt at this time like this was just like so crushing because not only is she, again, realizing she's completely alone. She said she got angry because she felt like the helicopters were giving up.
0: But also, like, the other part, to me, like, that feels like I'm going the wrong way, too. Like, I'm going deeper into the forest, further from civilization. Mm -hmm. And she didn't,
1: yeah, she had no idea. She just felt like if she followed this downstream, this river, she would eventually find somebody. Whether it was a town, a city, a shack, a tribe, she would come across some sort of human being. Mm -hmm. And she's having to just trust her instincts on it. She decides, at this point, to keep following this river because she knows where there's a river, people can't be far. The banks are too dense to travel along, so <laughs> she decides to swim or float along the river. And this is like, she's not just swimming down the river, okay? When she was searching the wreckage, she found one sandal of hers, just one, in the, in the wreckage. So she used her shoe, shoed foot, to like lead and feel her way down the river. And she would use a stick to also help feel before she stepped or moved in a specific place. And I think this would just be my absolute last thought to get in the river because how many freaking animals are (laughs) in the river in an Amazon rainforest?
0: I I don't know the answer to that. And I don't know that I want to know the answer because I'm now jumping back to the episode that just released today because that's the most recent one I Mm-hmm. Edited, and that was like linear, yep, like with the uh, gigantic catfish. So I can only mm-hmm. imagine what's in the rivers in the Amazon forest. Well, I can tell you a little bit because Julianne knows, oh, okay. thank you, Julianne.
1: <laughs> so she said that she knows that stingrays rest in the shallow water, so she can't wade through it, just you know, walking through the shallows. She says she kept an eye out for piranha. But she learned that fish are only dangerous in standing water. She expected to run into caimans. What are those? A caiman is like the, um, the I think a South American and maybe African alligators. Oh, hell no. Yeah. What? Yeah, those. They, but she said caimans don't generally attack people. Generally is not enough of a chance that I'm willing to take. But she knows what she's doing. I'd still be at the plane wreckage going, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, maybe maybe I should just say. And she does wrestle with that from time to time. Like, you know, I should have stayed with the plane. They would have found me by now. You know, yada yada. But I don't think they would have, by the way. Um, and she, what she would do was stop swimming when the sun sets. She would crawl back onto, or swim, whatever, crawl back onto the banks. And she found what she described as a reasonably safe spot on the bank don't know what that is um to go to sleep she said mosquitoes and flies would buzz around her head constantly as she slept they would try to crawl into her ears and nose at night was when it would rain and she said that rain was ice cold and she is wearing a thin summer dress when the sun came back up she would start swimming again on the fourth day oh my god this is okay julianne hears the call of a bird that she knows very well she she comes across um the king vulture and it's a scavenger bird it's freaking huge they have like a six foot wingspan and she knows because she heard like them flapping their wings and the sounds of multiple birds so she knows that this means there's a lot of dead or decomposed meat nearby She follows the birds calls. Oh, no, she she follows them. And she finds three people that are still strapped in their seats. But the seats hit the ground so hard that they were half buried head first into the ground. Only their legs were sticking out. What? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She sees this. And she said everything inside her was telling her to run in the opposite direction. Um, Fair. I think anybody would get that. She walks towards it. Ma'am. She noticed, and sources varied on this. um, I read that one of the passengers was a woman. And I also read that all three of them were women. And during this time, she is desperate to find her mother so she like has to know. What she does is take a stick to remove the shoes and she sees painted toenails and her mom never painted her toenails. So she knows like you know it's still sad but these women are not her mom. She starts to look around for anything else that she might be able to use to survive and still found nothing. This was the night that she also finished that candy. So she had no food. Um, they crashed in the rainy season. So there was no fruit on the trees. Even if there was, she had no tools and no way to climb to get this fruit. At one point around this time, the canopy opened and Julianne sees a rescue helicopter. And she starts throwing stuff. She's screaming. She's waving her hands. And the plan, the, excuse me, the plane hovers and then flies away. She watches it fly away.
0: Oh, they don't see her.
1: So it's about seven days in and her wounds are horrible. Understandably infected. Oh, yes. She said the cuts on her arms and legs are starting to hurt and look bad. I would assume infection. I mean, she's walking through the rainforest with one shoe. She's in a dirty river. Just There's constant, you know, bugs flying around her all the time, which that alone would drive me, one mosquito, y'all, one mosquito will drive me up the wall. And she's just got them constantly buzzing around her. She said the gash on the back of her arm was really hurting and it felt hot. So when she strained her neck to get a really good look at it, there were maggots in it. There were maggots in her arm wound. Oh, No. She said she tried to use to pull some of them out using a piece of metal from the plane that she had bent and was using as tweezers but she couldn't get them so she just left them and kept going. No. This girl is more of a badass than I could ever be and she's 17 years old going through all this. At about 8 or 9 days in she wakes up feeling a sharp pain in her like upper back and she touches it and when she looks at her, her hand she sees that she's bleeding because she's gotten so sunburned from floating down the river that her sunburn burst open and was bleeding yes she said she eventually found, found out that she had a second degree burn from the sun oh god no And as if this wasn't bad enough, at this point, she hasn't ate anything in days. She's only drinking river water, dirty, nasty river water. And she's trying to drink enough to where she feels full, but she hasn't ate. So she starts hallucinating. At one point, she saw the roof of a house on a riverbank. At another point, she hears chickens clucking. None of this was real. And around this time, she got her foot stuck in a sandbank and she tripped. And when she hit the ground, she fell. When she hit the ground, she said that everything inside her was just telling her to sleep. And she couldn't fight it, so she closed her eyes and she just rested. And she woke up to a a chirping sound, but it wasn't a bird. And she immediately opened her eyes to see a baby caiman and its mother approaching her in a very threatening way. Ma'am. Her first instinct was to jump up and run away. But she didn't. Which, uh, okay. She instead slowly slid away from them on the ground towards the water. Because Julianne's a genius. And she knew if she jumped up, they would have immediately attacked her. So she fought every fiber of her being. Slid across the ground like like a slug. And floated back down the river away from them.
0: Nope. Never in a million years would I be like, Yep, this is what you do. Yeah, I exa- like I I can't every, even I can't even fathom. Every fiber of my being would be like you stand your ass up and you spread the fuck away. Like you yep. just you don't mm-hmm. Dad, if you're listening to this, you didn't <laughs> you didn't teach me well enough what to do to survive <laughs> in the while. All this glamping. <laughs> It's like she was just
1: born to, to do this. I, I don't even know. It's it's so crazy. I was blown away at this story. So, <laughs> she's still just drifting down the river. And the sun is starting to set. And she needs to find a place to sleep again. And she sees a gravel bank. And she climbs out to sleep. She says she dozed off for a few minutes. And when she woke up again, she saw a boat. and She rubbed her eyes and she looked like three more times and it was still there. So she swam over and she touched it and it's real and it's in working order. So she starts looking around and she finds a footpath that is like deliberately man-made. It had been cut through the brush and it led to a shack with supplies. And then there was another path that led deeper into the forest. So she's, Checking out the shack and she finds a can of gasoline. She remembers that her dad had once used gas to clean a wound on a family pet. Yeah, you see where this is going? I don't know. That's not how you clean wounds. I think it is when you don't have another choice. And that's what she did. She poured it over that gash on the back of her arm. And she said the pain was intense. I say that's unimaginable. Because you were pouring straight gasoline on a maggot-infested wound on the back of your arm. And she said as she poured the gasoline on it, the maggots started burrowing deeper into her Ooh. arm. Sorry.
0: She, you guys might not have heard that, but the maggots burrowing uh, deeper got my gag reflex there. Uh-huh. Okay, sorry, I'm ready. <sighs> so
1: this actually worked, though, because she pulled about 30 maggots out of her arm that night. Oh oh god, no. There was no there was way more in her arm. She considered at this point taking the boat and continuing going down the river because she said that it was really common, I didn't know this, but apparently it's common in the rainforest for hunters to make up a little camp like this and then, you know, use it for a couple months and then just completely abandon it and leave everything there. So she had no clue if anyone was ever gonna come back here. But she didn't want to take the boat because she said if she took that boat, she would be abandoning someone else. Ma'am,
0: stop yeah. it. Yes. It's not like they couldn't fit. You would be like, hey, I stole this boat and they would have a search party for them. Like, it's not like it would be the end of the world. Well, look at how her search parties are going. Yes, but now they they have a river. They have a river now. Mm-hmm. So at least she can be like, I just followed this river, go up this river, don't take any turns, you know. For her, it was just,
1: it was not even an option. She was not going to do that to somebody else, which is also just unimaginable to me. So she decided to wait for the owner of the boat, but nobody ever come. So she wrapped a tarp around her and she slept in that, that little shack, the little shed that night. And when morning comes, she's still alone. She doesn't know if anybody's ever going to come back to this shack. And she decided that she was going to keep floating down the river. But it started raining again. So she's tired. She's exhausted. She's starving. She decides to stay in that shack until the rain stops. Because at least she has that. At least she's not out in the rain. She has this tarp. She has some kind of warmth. So the rain stopped around afternoon time, but she said she just did not have the strength to get to her feet. So she decided to sleep there again, recover some strength, and then she was going to keep going the next day. She tried to catch some more frogs to eat that night. Um, I say some more, I'm sorry. She had tried to catch frogs at one point, um, specifically poison arrow frogs. Um, Which I didn't know was possible, but I guess there's like a sack in them that you have to avoid. I I don't know anything about it. If anybody knows, Julianne's going to know.
0: Okay, Julianne, I guess catch your frogs.
1: Well, she she never was able to catch any frogs. She was too weak. Um, She wasn't able to catch any of them. And so she's kind of just sitting there dozing in and out. And it's around sunset when she's drifting off to sleep again and she hears voices. She sits up immediately and then she starts telling herself, no, this is just, this is another hallucination. And she's trying to like rationalize with herself, but they won't go away. And she's desperately trying to convince herself that this isn't real. When three men walk out of the forest and they stop dead in their tracks when they see her in that shack. And she says to them in Spanish, I'm the girl who was in the Lanza crash. My name is Julianne. These men, they obviously know
0: about this crash because it was all over the news. And it wasn't like they're finding she found something not far from their camp. Yes. Like they're probably finding things too. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well the um yeah, I'll I'll tell you about it in a minute. Um but yeah, these men are like flabbergasted to say the least. And they were all forest workers. So this wasn't their their camp but they like hustled her back to where their camp was. They gave her um they gave her food, clean clothes, clean dry clothes. They gave her fresh water. They tended her wounds. Um when they found her, she had had no food in 6 days. She had been drinking dirty water from the river. She was soaking wet and freezing cold. She was wounded. <laughs> On her, her father, Hans uh, Wilhelm Kocka's Wikipedia, it actually says that his daughter was lightly wounded. I say that's bullshit, but whatever.
0: When there's maggots, I feel like that's much more than lightly wounded.
1: When you have a broken clavicle and multiple gashes on your legs, like, and that's just from falling out of the sky. I imagine she got a couple more cuts and scrapes from wandering through the rainforest for 11 days. Come on, Wikipedia. You assholes. Sorry, that really made me angry when I read that. Um, She's been bitten by God knows what kind of bugs. These flies and mosquitoes, like I said, they haven't left her basically the entire time. She hasn't seen another living human being for 11 days. These men told her that staying at that shack was the best thing she could have done because if she would have left and kept going down the river like she wanted to, she would have never been found because the forest is less inhabited the
0: way that she was going.
1: And they said from the state her body was in, it probably would have given out the
0: next day. I mean, she's already done way more than I think you and I both would have done.
1: Would have. Will ever. I will never. Look, if it's... If it's 90 degrees outside, I don't even check the mail on the weekends, okay? And she's out here, like, traversing the rainforest with broken bones and one eye and no glasses. I can't. Um, She was the only survivor from this Lanza crash. They had not even found the plane yet when she had been found. 90 other people died in the crash. And 14 people were believed to have survived, but never made it out of the jungle. They eventually succumbed to either their wounds or the jungle.
0: That's so sad.
1: So they slept in in this camp for the night. And then the men took her on an 11-hour boat ride to Turnavista, Peru, where they took her to a hospital. But uh, she was treated there before they had to fly her to another hospital for better uh, medical attention. They had to put her on a- another plane. Because if they would have transported her in any other way, she would not have survived. Like, they had to get her there as quick as possible, which I understand. Life, but,
0: yeah. Yeah, she, homie just fell
1: out of a plane and now you're putting her in another one.
0: Yeah, but hopefully this is a better better plane. I, oh, I hope so.
1: I would imagine so, coming, coming from going to a hospital. I hope so. God. She spent months recovering in this hospital. But after she recovered from numerous injuries, she assisted search parties in finding the crash site and recovering bottoms, bodies of victims.
0: Ma'am, why would yeah. you even go back? I wouldn't have even stepped back into... I, someone would say rainforest and I would have a breakdown. Yes. Oh, girl,
1: I am not even done. Okay. But yeah, she she helped them find other people. Um, It was unclear on if she helped or not, but her mother's body was discovered on January 12th, 1972. And Julianne later said that it killed her because her mother was believed to have initially
0: survived the fall that that would be hard
1: Mm -hmm. julianne eventually returned to germany where she went on to study biology at the university of kiel and she graduated in 1980 she then went on to earn her doctorates from ludwig maximilian university of munich and while she was there earning her phd she went back to panguana Stop. To study Amazonian bats. And she stayed there for 18 months. Don't go back to that place. She married Eric Diller in 1989. From what I could tell, they are still married. And they're just, I guess they're just creating amazing offspring. I don't know. I hope they are. Because uh, I don't think I i mentioned Julianne Kopka is amazing. She specializes in bats. Eric Diller he was an entomologist, or is, excuse me, I believe he's still alive. He's an entomologist specializing in parasitic wasps. So these are just smart people reproducing all the time, and I love it.
0: Okay, first of all, I don't like the fact that he specializes in parasitic wasps. Like, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I mean,
1: it's kind of super interesting, though. I'll give him that. Is it better than birds?
0: No. <laughs> Do the damn birds at this point. (laughs) I haven't heard the word parasitic with the damn birds. So after
1: her father died in the year 2000, Julianne, she became the new director of Panguana. Stop it. She lives there part of the year. She divides her time between Panguana and the Bavarian State Collection of Zoology in Munich, where she's a librarian. She doesn't stop, y'all. She's on planes all the time. Willy nilly, flying through the air, going back to Panguana, going back to Germany. She's she's like, it's source. no big deal. It's
0: yes. fine. I survived it once. I'll survive it again. <laughs> For me, I'd be just dead. I don't even know. Oh, I would. They would have.
1: I don't know. I would have said. I was gonna say they would have found me in the river. No, they would have found me in the belly of a caiman. I was gonna say they'd find me still sitting exactly where I landed,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Eating on a soggy. Christmas
0: cake. They might have some mud pictures. I might have found a stick and started drawing or writing or something, but. Oh, I would have absolutely
1: probably started writing in the mud and then it would have rained and it would have went away. And I was like, this is what's going to happen to me. It's going to rain and I'm just going to die here and (laughs) the king vultures are going to have at me.
0: You know what? Circle of life, baby. I hate it
1: i hate i'm just gonna stay inside in my air conditioning and feel bad about myself because of what this woman has freaking accomplished
0: oh you know what she can go and accomplish all that i don't want it and she she's y'all she's
1: just freaking amazing panguana has flourished under her i know i mentioned it earlier she's she's so amazing if y'all her autobiography is called When I Fell from the Sky, How the Jungle Gave Me My Life Back. You can get it on Kindle. It is a couple dollars. It's just it's so good. It's a page turner.
0: I don't know that the jungle gave you your life back. I'm not going to give the jungle credit. I'll give you credit for that. Oh, no. She says in her book, um, I didn't. I
1: didn't write down the quote, but she says something about how she does not blame the jungle for this. Because the jungle was basically just being the jungle and, it, and she was in it and survived it. I would blame the jungle 100%.
0: <laughs> I, okay, I would probably blame the plane because she's right. The jungle is just jungling, yeah. right? It's just mm-hmm. doing what it's doing. Um, I still don't feel like the jungle gave her her life back, though. I feel like she was like, um, let's get out of this jungle and figure out life after that.
1: I don't know, though, because if she can survive that, she fell from the freaking sky, man. Oh, my God. If she can survive that, look at Cayman in the fa- Not even one Cayman, two Cayman in the face. A mama and a baby. And slither away. Uh, this woman, yeah. she If she can do that, she can do anything. She can fly. She doesn't she, even need the planes. She can fly.
0: Oh, that's why she's able to get to and from Munich. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay,
1: bye, honey. Let me just flap
0: my arms.
1: hmm freaking amazing. That's why they study birds. That's why. They, yeah, it was her parents. Her brilliant parents. And she... She said that she was always just in awe of her parents. She's still, like, she was always in awe of her parents. I'm in
0: awe of all of them. I'm just here. I'm, my mind hurts. The pictures on the drive, um, that first one, obviously, that's the little hut where they
1: lived. The second one is her and her dad after she was found. She was in the hospital. That's her in front of a big-ass tree and the the last picture is her and her mother, Maria, when she was four years old. That's so sad. Stop it.
0: Like, I'm so happy she survived, but that's still very tragic. And I feel like there could have been true crime in there. Because that airline. Oh, yeah. I feel like there could have been something there. Oh, yeah. Maybe that this is was... just our American mindset, though. Oh, no. Lansa
1: Airlines, I feel like that was 100% the true crime. I just, I feel like that...
0: Are they completely out of business now? Like oh, yeah, up, gone Been
1: gone. yeah, gone, okay, yeah. They went out of business after this one.
0: That's one hell of a way to go out of business,
1: yeah. and i I did go on a <clears throat> a slight tangent and started writing down or what documenting, typing, whatever. <clears throat> I started to add, like, how many crashes Lanza had, and I had to stop because it was just getting depressing. It was a lot,
0: okay. Well, don't. Don't do that. Yeah, I I didn't. Okay.
1: But that was an incredibly tragic, yet incredibly inspiring story of Julianne Copka, the wizard of the jungle.
0: (laughs) Wizard of the
1: jungle? (laughs) I don't don't know.
0: She's the jungle whisperer.
1: Yes. Yes. I like that.
0: Okay. Done. Done. Well, (sighs) I'm sorry I have to take a minute to absorb that story okay okay are you ready for my story I am oh I am oh (laughs) you must know what it is I yeah okay yeah so I actually accidentally changed my story today I have another story it's totally fine the other story it's a great story But I started researching this one today, and I finished, and I was like, I want to do this one. Like, I'm sorry. Um, I'm pipe as shit. So, do you want to tell everyone what this is? It's the Flatwoods Monster, y'all. It is the Flatwoods Monster. So, we're going to talk about the Flatwoods Monster and how that came about. So, it's also known as the Braxton County Monster, Braxy, Green Monster, and Phantom of Flatwoods. Braxy is probably my favorite name for it but that's okay so I felt like it's been a minute since we've done UFO so this is kind of how I got into this spiral because this is technically a UFO or an alien story we're gonna jump over to West Virginia specifically Braxton County West Virginia Um, and even more specific we're gonna go into the city or the town of Flatwoods and we're gonna go ahead and travel back to September 12th 1952 Edward and Fred May, both of them are brothers, and their friend Tommy Heyer are out playing in the schoolyard. They're playing football, just like any 10 to 12 year old would be doing at this time. And that's about their ages right there, age range. And they're just, they're out having good old fashioned fun. No big deal, right? Throwing rocks and and playing ball in a cup. They're they're playing football. Oh, okay. At least that's what the report said is football, so. Did you say that already? Yeah, that's fine. You ignored (laughs) me. (laughs) Sorry. It was James's fault. He distracted me for
1: a second. Okay, so they're playing football, just like I said.
0: Yeah, exactly. And as they're playing, they notice what they called a pulsing red light, and it would streak across the sky at about 7.15 p.m. on September 12, 1952. And so they see this thing just streak across and crash onto a nearby farm. Now, there are some reports that say it wasn't so much of a crash, but they kind of see that it landed. Some of them said it was a little slower, or some reports said it, like, was slower with landing, like it had more control. But th- they decide to do what any little boys would do, and they're like, let's go investigate. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. There's probably something over there that we can
1: poke with a stick. Um, it was more like they were like, maybe there's gold. I don't, <laughs> what? I don't think they know how gold like, is made. <laughs>
0: Like, they were thinking it was, like, a meteor or, like, a falling star or something. And they're, like, maybe there's gold or something, like, exciting. Is there gold in those? I I don't know, but they're little 10 to 12-year-old boys, right? Okay, yeah. So, they're, like, let's go check it out. And on their way over, they actually stop by at Fred and Edward's um, home because it's on the way. And they tell their mom, Kathleen May, hey, mom, this is what we saw. We're going to go check it out and like we're just gonna go do what little kids do and investigate okay and kathleen may she's like i'll go with you and she kind of rallies like i would consider this a small army i think this was just kind of like it happened like along the way people were like oh yeah sure join us (laughs) What? okay you've got kathleen you've got the three boys edward may fred may and tommy hire you have neil nunley ronnie shaver they're just two kids from the area And then they also have Eugene Lemon, who actually happens to be a West Virginia National Guardsman. Like, he's there Uh, just hanging out. And their dog, Richie.
1: I love that these boys tell their mom, like, hey, we saw a light fall out of the sky. We're going to go check it out and look for gold. And she's like, that sounds like a great idea. Dinner can wait. Let's go.
0: They've probably already had dinner at 7.15 p.m. Oh, wow. We eat late here. Well, we've had dinner. You had dinner... Yeah, like, okay, they see it at 7.15. Okay, the cobbler can wait. Yeah, yeah, so they're on yeah. to dessert waiting for that, but okay, all of the boys, because Kathleen's the only woman, but all of the boys eight, range from the age of 10 to 17, so none of them are very old, like they're still teenagers, and they're like, let's go, <laughs> let's go check it out. What did you see? I wonder what it is. Cool. Um, And just as a little background about the May family, they were Pretty well-known and pretty well-liked in the area. I mean, many describe Kathleen as just a fun and feisty person. She actually grew up in Flatwoods, so she was known. Like, she was a well-known local. And Flatwoods is not a big city. Not a big city by any means. A lot of people described it as they don't have a lot of people coming into Flatwoods. You're normally, like, born and raised here type thing. They have the occasional transplants, but not very frequent. And so, you know, they, the group heads on up and they start kind of looking, scouring the area where, where they saw this object. And when they reach the top of this hill, they stay. they kind of, they were seeing this pulsing red light, basically the whole time, from what I understood. And they see this and one of the kids, like, they're looking at this thing and they're like, I don't know what the hell we're looking at. And one of the kids ends up pointing to something in a tree. And Eugene Lemon, this is the, the national guardsman like he's 17 years old he's just a kid but he ends up pointing his flashlight um in the direction that the little kid was like hey look over there in that tree and that's when the group sees it gold (laughs) quite the opposite (laughs) Um, they would see a tall figure and they would describe it as manlike had a round red face its face was surrounded by a pointed hood shape. To me, it kind of looks like a headdress rather than a hood, but that's just from the pictures. The figure was estimated to be about 10 feet tall. Its eyes, like the, where its eyes would be, the shape of its eyes, it emitted a greenish orange light. And it had either a dark black or a dark green body. Some of the party would describe the figure as having small claw-like hands, though the witnesses could never agree on this detail. It had clothing-like folds, almost like a skirt, but with no visible legs. And they described the head as it resembled the Ace of Spades. And one thing that they stated or pointed out was that this is something that was mechanical. They didn't know if it was like a mechanical being or just like a mechanical object. It looked very mechanical. Um, How many times can I say mechanical in this sentence? It's fine.
1: Say mechanical again.
0: (sighs) Mechanical. Okay. Some maniacal mechanical machine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Okay. (laughs) Love alliteration. Uh, Right? Just to note, some of the witness accounts do vary. But some vary because they stated there was a dense mist in the area. And the figure would then reportedly make a hissing sound and start gliding towards the group and this this group does the sensible thing uh national guardsman eugene lemon he screams he drops the flashlight and everyone runs that's the (laughs) right thing to do okay Okay. run i'm here with it (laughs) one witness reportedly even like was so frightened they they wet themselves it didn't tell me who and that's okay i'm not trying to call anyone out but like seeing this creature i would i would too right yeah and like their family dog Richie's running away with his tails between his tail between his legs, like it just it's chaos, right? Like it's even said that Eugene Lemon tripped over one of the younger kids with him trying to flee. He's like every man for himself. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Here, take this kid as tribute. Ignore the boot print on the back of his neck. That was an accident. Yeah, I didn't mean to do that. There you go. Bye, poor kid. He's got a mouthful of yeah. mud, and now he has to run from the Flatwoods Monster,
0: right? Um, but the group would also know, like, they're running, but they ended up noting that that mist in the air that maybe caused some confusion about what the creature looked like. They called it a pungent mist. So it didn't smell great. Oh. Um, so he's yeah. Scared. I'd run too. <laughs> it, you know what? It smelled bad enough that the party stated they were nauseated, just really, like, they were not feeling well for even days after the event. Oh, my. Yeah, and there are a lot of reports that the family dog, Richie, had died from inhaling the fumes. However, Fred and Ed both stated that wasn't the case. So when you see those reports, I'm just telling you what Fred and Ed said on a documentary and that the dog was fine, okay? That was just an exaggeration. Now, the group, they, I mean, they take off. They go tell local authorities who were actually already investigating reports of a crashed aircraft in a different area, area under somewhat similar circumstances like no one's called and said there's this creature here they just said there's a downed aircraft so like local authorities are looking now interestingly enough up to six crafts were seen over west virginia in the same time frame that day
1: so six different red streaks across the sky
0: yep oh yep okay Now, police, they searched the area of the crash site, and they said they saw, heard, and smelt nothing. They're like, whoever smelt it, dealt it. Like, I don't know what to tell you guys. We're moving on.
1: I love the image of all of these cops going, looking around, and the whole time, they're like... (laughs) You can't hear me, but I'm just over here, like,
0: sniffing. Actually, we could hear the first one. Okay, well, then play that, That like, three times. Okay, well, I probably won't, but you guys get the idea. Uh But they didn't smell anything. They didn't have any of these fumes. And police kind of basically laugh off the witness claims. They're like, okay. And they kind of attribute this to hysteria. They're like, you guys, it was late, like kind of getting dark. You guys are going crazy. Some of this could have been because their descriptions weren't the same. Like the witness descriptions were not like identical. However, that's pretty normal for witness descriptions. Yeah, I was going to say. You know, perception and what people focus on. Anyways, so they're like, well, this isn't the same. And then also one source claimed that they were a li- laughed off because the creature went from seven feet tall to just like 17 feet tall. Like their their height differences here are way different.
1: Well, you also have ch- literal children telling me right. how, like, I can't look at someone and be like, oh, he's like 6.3 feet. Like, that's not how that goes. See my point? I'm sorry. <laughs> I am holding
0: up my finger because this is not one inch, Amanda. Case in point, okay?
1: I can't look at somebody and be like, they are six feet and that is
0: one inch. So That's because Amanda will take her pointer finger and go, that whole thing is one inch. And that is not the case. I know a dollar bill is four inches. Six Six inches. inches? Six inches. How is a dollar bill? Six inches. Six inches.
1: I do not know that a dollar bill is six inches. And James
0: tells me literally all the time. You know what's great is i only know that because you told me that james told you a dollar bill is six inches and that's... Well, i'm stuck up here and you know it's four inches no i'm glad someone listens to him <laughs> i haven't validated that information i just know that's what james says okay <laughs> <laughs> point being is that i get there's children um, the way they kind of described it was that the same witnesses would say, like, if it, I was the witness, one day I'd say, oh, seven feet. The next day it was 17 in my report. You know, my oh. my descriptions varying. Okay, that's, uh, I can see that. Yeah. But again, they're kids.
1: Yeah. And one of them fell, so he had mud in his eyes.
0: <laughs> He's the one that's like, I think it was seven feet, but it could have <laughs> been 17. I have no clue. Yeah. <laughs> Local newspaper publisher A. Lee Stewart Jr., he would state, quote, those people were the most scared people I've ever seen. Seven witnesses, and each of them was quite shaken from what they had seen, right? Like, you've got seven people. And yes, I know that six of them are children. I get it. Eight, winne- eight witnesses with the dog, but the dog can't talk. And one of them
1: is a woman, which I feel like probably did not plan out in her
0: favor. Not necessarily, because the, I mean, the people of the area were like, yeah, it's great, cool. Kathleen's a great person. Like, it's not that they necessarily were like she's a woman. Don't believe her. um Okay, so it wasn't like she's just gossiping or anything like yeah. that. Okay, no, no, good. no, not really. No. So, and he would also go on to state, uh, Mr. Stewart Jr. He would state, "quote People don't make up that kind of story that quickly." End quote. So he's like, "Um, they're kind of coming to us, and there's this story. Like, they didn't just make it up on the spot, right? Though I feel like you could have. Like, I feel like I can be pretty quick on my feet. That's yeah. just me." but mr stewart here he decides to go do some investigative work on his own reportedly the day after the incident it is said that he grabs his shotgun and he heads up the hill where the group reportedly saw this creature and he claims to have found skin marks in the field and an odd gummy deposit that was that was why he stunk so bad well we'll talk about that in a a little bit but okay believers and ufo enthusiasts often attribute this as being evidence of a ufo landing or crash because they're like well where would this odd gummy deposit come from like you're seeing skin marks in the in the field and so that a lot of people are like well that's just proof but he didn't exactly collect that evidence from what i could find he just saw it i wouldn't either because i am i'm convinced it's poop probably (laughs) i would have definitely poked it with a stick waited for something to happen yeah that sounds like you Mm -hmm. well after this report comes out the u.s air force would go out and investigate the claims as part of project blue book according to the may family the result of the investigation would be sent to them via letter and they did not keep the letter but according to kathleen's kathleen may's memory the letter or the findings that were um Basically in this letter, the military would go on to say that was basically a top secret US military item. Like we were doing something, it was a prototype. Um, you guys should probably keep what you saw on the DL. Don't tell anyone, don't go spreading any of this information. You know, your typical government cover-up. Mm-hmm. Right? We're on to you. And yeah, so I mean that's that's the official, you know, what they claim to have gotten. But of course the story makes it to local news and it keeps moving all the way up to national news. And this story just became a sensation across the nation. So much so that Kathleen May and Eugene Lemon would be flown out to New York to talk to CBS about their encounter. Wow. So they got that letter from the government and they're like, screw you. We're going to the Big Apple. They're like, bye. Um, Reportedly, they did not get paid to go on the show. They did, however, like their accommodations were paid for. Right. So they're not there. They're not benefiting financially from this. They're just going to tell, like, the story. Okay. Now, Ed and Fred May, to this day, they maintain their story. They're like, this is what happened. This is what we saw. It was not what they think it, like, what the skeptics say it is. And I know people don't believe us. And these these men are well into their 70s by now. Now, Ed and Fred, they don't do interviews very often. Hardly ever. Like, they did them when they were little and they got to a point where they're like, no more yeah i imagine that gets old well you've got to think like as kids they they did these interviews but then they're kind of they have their other kids that are skeptics or like my mom and dad said that you're doing this for blah 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 oh yeah kids are jerks yeah and they have just all these people that don't believe them and then you have the people that do and you know they do appear both ed and fred appear in a 2018 documentary about the flatwoods monster In this documentary, I mean, they talk about their experiences. They kind of talk about a little bit of the backlash that they got. And they showed outwardly an appearance. Like, if you believe me, cool. If not, I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you because you already have your opinion. I don't really care. Like, this is what happened to us. So that's where those two are right now. Again, that was a 2018 documentary. I did watch that. Um, I had to watch it twice because I fell asleep the first time, but real tired. Fair. Now, this gets a little bit more interesting because those are, you know, those are Ed and Fred's experiences. But what's interesting is that prior to the events on September 12th, there's another reported sighting. Mm -hmm. One Miss Audra Harper claims to have seen the creature with her friend while they were walking through the woods into the town of Heaters. Now, they're little girls at this point. They're not very old, but they're also not like little, little kids. And Heater's is about five miles north of Flatwoods. Hmm. Now, Audra Harper and her friend, they're walking to the store and they're like, we're going to take a shortcut. We're not going to go to the road. This is going to save us so much time. Like what any little kid does, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, honestly,
0: if it was longer, I would have gone through the woods to get there. Right. And that's what they're doing. They're going through the woods. And about a half mile into their shortcut, the girls would see a creature. Well, okay. Maybe not a creature. Because they see a ball of fire on the hill. Oh, cool. Sounds good. Right? Like, oh, there's just fire. No big deal.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: they they just kind of ignored it at first, thinking it was a neighbor fox chasing, which I don't know what that is. And I'm going to be honest, I forgot to Google what fox chasing was.
1: I just want to know why you chase a fox with fire. I I have no
0: idea. I thought people did that to Frankenstein. Why are they doing it to foxes? Um, I don't okay so according to Wikipedia it's an activity involving the tracking chase and if caught the killing of a fox by hounds so I don't know why they're like oh it's no big deal they're just fox chasing but with fire with fire I (laughs) I don't know chasing with flaming
1: dogs
0: (laughs) they're like no big deal it's fine this is normal (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's just Ted up there on the hill with his fox chasing again no big deal but when Hadra glances back at it, she says the fire was gone. In its place stood a d- tall, dark silhouette of a man-shaped figure. Like, they don't know what this is. It, they just said it's like a man-shaped silhouette that they're seeing. They're not really making out any details. Again, in this situation, the girls run. They're like, uh, bye. Not doing this. And according to some reports, the creature does chase them. Um, and uh-uh. they were able to, uh, right... They were able to escape the approaching creature. Uh, Some reports stated that Audra after that never took that route again. She's like, I will go the long way. It's the scenic route. Like, it's fine. Yeah,
1: I believe her 100%. I don't blame her because that went from fox chasing to me chasing. And that's not going to (laughs) happen.
0: It's not going to fly. Yeah. So basically, that was a few days before, before the events on September 12th. There's not an exact date, but that's reportedly what happened. Even more interesting is that there is yet another incident that was reported, but this time it was the day after. So I want to remind everyone, this is the 50s. News does not travel as fast as it does today. So they're not like on their phones, seeing this, going through the area and thinking we're just going to do the same thing. They might have, I don't know, I'm just telling you that the likelihood that they encounter this same being the following day and knowing about it. Yeah, From the day before, slim to none, right?
1: Like, this is before we had
0: internet on phones. So, they just had their phones and no internet. This is before they had cell phones.
1: Yeah, that's what I said.
0: Yeah, they didn't have those luxuries. So, this is on about September 13th near Strange Creek. Strange Creek is about 20 miles south of Flatwoods.
1: Wait a minute, it's called Strange (laughs) Creek?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Why are we going to this creek? I think it was just the area the name of the area oh yeah it's strange all okay. right okay well George and Edith snitowski and their 18 month old son they're driving through the area um driving through route four now reports stated they were just passing through from how I understood they were coming they were trying to get home and they were passing through this like they were road tripping as a family they had extra time so they decided we'll take the scenic route and they were kind of taking the... taking the scenic <laughs> route y'all I know. Listen, I know that when Cody and I go to Flaming Gorge, the scenic route for us to get home involves Skinwalker Ranch, so we just don't do that anymore.
1: Sounds like a good... Yeah, that sounds like a great decision.
0: (sighs) My point of saying that is the scenic routes have weird shit on them, so just don't do them. Yeah, don't go. Anyways. Now, again, they were just passing through. They're not in this area. And on route four and it is the middle of the night for them like it's late they're just driving and their car just kind of dies on them out of the blue no big deal strange but okay Uh, so george tries to restart the car but nothing's working and he eventually he starts smelling something and he's like oh no did the engine catch on fire now some reports state that he was quick on his feet got out um and he was checking the engine to make sure it didn't catch fire like his family's in that car damn it Right, yeah.
1: He has to do the thing that everyone always does. And he has to go around, pop the hood, put his hands
0: on his hips, and stare at it for a second. Exactly. And he saw no flames, at least coming from the car. So he's like, I don't know. Other reports stated he never got out. So...
1: Also good Whichever one,
0: right? But that's when they would see a bright light fill the dark sky. Again, late at night, they were stranded. And the couple would see a 10-foot-tall creature... Hovering near the car. How far is near? It didn't tell me how close. Um, uh-huh. But if George was outside of the car, he was quick to get back in the car. Okay. Um, okay. The description of this creature was very similar to that of the the maze description. So, mm-hmm. same creepy thing, except for in this version, the creature was not wearing this hood. It instead. Had a head that looked reptilian. And like I said, the family, they're obviously in the car and this creature passes the car. And as it passes, they report that it would drag its lizardy hand across the hood before just drifting off into the woods. So he scratched my car. (laughs) I didn't say he scratched. He just like touched. He was like doing the dust, the white glove check. And he probably went like this and was like, you got to go for a car wash.
1: Yeah, we've been traveling, bro. Like, you don't have to... Because I just imagine if he's... Okay, if he's lizard-esque, he's either... And we've already established it might have claws. So he's either got claws or he's got, like, reptilian skin. He's just sliding his little... Just...
0: Don't touch my shit.
1: Yeah, what what a rude prick. Like, my car's broken down. I'm probably in the middle of the road. Do you really have to be that extra just across the street?
0: Well, yes, because as soon as this monster is out of sight, the car was magically able to start again. And bah. the family does again the right thing and they drive away. They're like, bye, dog," And they never went
1: to Strange River again. Strange Creek. They're there either. <laughs> they never went to Strange again. Okay.
0: <laughs> so those are the events that kind of add up to the Flatwoods monsters. Monster. Now, of course, there are skeptics. We always know there are skeptics. And they, of course, there's a great explanation for what they saw that night. Would you like to guess what the skeptics think everything was? Was it an owl? So, skeptic <laughs> Joe Nickel, he, we've heard him so much. He <laughs> has an answer for everything, okay? Oh, boy. And I know that we have mentioned him several times. I think on every UFO case, we have mentioned Joe Nickel. Joe Nickel. Joe Nickel. And I'm going to tell you, I dislike him more and more every single time. Every if I Saturday had a UFO nickel case,
1: for every for time every nickel, Joe
0: Nickel. Oh, God. <laughs> I would have like a dollar right now, okay? <laughs> a whole ass dollar. But Nickel states that the light in the sky that the boys saw was just a meteor. It's likely it was just a meteor. There had been an observed meteor that went through Maryland, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia that night. So that's confirmed. Okay. okay. That's probably what they saw. And the pulsing red light that our whole crew kept seeing. That was just an aircraft navigation or hazard beacon. No big deal. Okay. huh. Uh-huh, Which, uh-huh. of course, there were three flashing red aircraft beacons that were visible in the area that night. Like, confirmed.
1: Okay. But what oh, about the big alligator <laughs> in uh, a robot costume? Uh, uh, he doesn't on. really.
0: He doesn't really tell us about that one. He he's more focused on the events of September 12th with the maze. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Okay, I need an explanation here. Okay, well he also mentions because at the beginning the description was that the this creature's face was red, right? Okay. And he thinks that these aircraft navigation or hazard beakers that could account for why the the face was a red tint because those beacons, like, duh. What are they? Two feet away? I have no clue. And the creature, well, based on the sounds it made, the shape, the movement, and all the things, Mr. Joe Nickel believes that the creature the crew saw was just a startled barn owl on a tree limb. Oh my god, I'm so sick of Do owls hiss? I don't know. Do they smell pungent, sir? Listen, I... Okay, so he believes, let me just finish what Mr. Nickel believes before I go on my tangent. He believes that the witnesses' perception was distorted due to their heightened anxiety at the time of the events. Like we were they're going anxious. on an
1: adventure. We <laughs> were not anxious. We were going to find gold. There was no anxiety. Everybody was in a great mood.
0: <laughs> right. So, okay, here's my thing: Is how many damn times are we going to blame owls for being aliens? We've got the Hopkinsville, um, the Kelly Hopkinsville case. That was blamed on owls. The freaking leave the owls alone. I'm pretty sure. Owls were, were blamed for Mothman too. They were. That's what I was gonna say. They're also blamed for multiple cryptids. Leave owls alone. But okay. But also, even owls. Look, I am not. I don't like birds. Okay. Uh-huh. But how many cryptids are blamed on owls or birds of some sort? Like a all lot. Yes. Like m- all of them. Yes. You know what? I think as we the people, we know yeah. what owls and birds look like. Okay, we're not stupid. Stop gaslighting us, Joe joe nichols says we are ignorant as hell okay but i also started thinking about this and let's just say heightened anxiety for me and i see an alien i would think to myself that's a fucking terrifying bird and i would leave i'd be the person that misidentify an alien as a bird from my heightened anxiety because i'm so afraid of them i'm trying to defend you here but i got nothing i'm sorry i I tried to defend myself. I've got nothing. (laughs) You and I would see a freaking alien. We'd be on our adventure to go get our gold. You'd see an alien. I'd be like, Amanda, that was just a bird attacking us. Let's
1: just go. I feel like I would turn around and I would be like, Grace, did you see that? And you would be just gone. There would just be dust. And you would be texting me to find out where I was. And I'd be like, that was a big ass bird. I was not doing it. I would be like, you dumbass. That's a whole ass alien. Get back here. Well, that's even worse. I'm not coming back. I just feel like they're like you guys are idiots. It's a bird. Okay. No, they're not all birds. They're not Stop all b- blaming the owls. And like you said, like if people know what owls look like, okay. If you if you live in an area where it's like the sun's going down, and you're like, let's walk into the woods, probably barefoot. Let's be honest. All of them were barefoot. You know what an owl looks like,
0: right? Like you, we all know, like, I know there's different type of owls, but I can look at an owl and be like, hey, that's an owl of some sort. Exactly. Yeah. (sighs) And I'm still, I'm still confused though.
1: Like how, this isn't, this is, this is a lizard in a (laughs) metal costume. I was thinking like a plankton style robot. The robots that plankton always has on SpongeBob. He just sits inside of them and, you know, does all his mechanical villainous things. That's what this is. It's a lizard in a robot and he's thinking that <laughs> people mistake it and it's really just an
0: owl with a freaking uh, just airplane beacon making it look red. You know what I think I've decided just now that Joe Nickel is an alien and he's just protecting his kind by gaslighting all of humankind to believing it's an owl. <gasps> That's exactly what's <laughs> happening. Joe Nickel I, yeah. is an alien yes sorry joe i i mean i'm I'm not not sorry stop stop gaslighting us okay like now he also believes that the green metal skirt thing that they saw the creature wearing it was just the foliage beneath the perched owl creating an illusion again gaslighting me i know what freaking leaves look like please stop bush looks like yeah exactly
1: Matter of fact, I just ate huckleberries off that same bush
0: last week. So Okay, yeah, it's fine. Jerk. <laughs> they also believe that the fact that the witnesses couldn't agree on if the creature had arms or not proves even more that the like the fact that it was a perched owl, because some witnesses saw its talons but interpreted it as outstretched claw like hands, others did not. Look, homie dropped the flashlight, okay? <laughs> He saw
1: it and was like, bye, done. Yes. He trampled a little kid to get out of there, for God's sake. He had to wipe the mud out of his eyes. Look, okay, it's not their fault. And like you said, different people focus on different things. So depending right. on where those hands were, uh, well, I was going to say, I'm the kind of person that like, I look at hands. I don't know why, but like, what is he holding? Is he holding something? Is he holding a gun? How long do I have to run here?
0: I need to know. <laughs> Apparently, they were just talons outstretched for people. I don't know. I believe them. Now, you remember that odd gummy substance that they claimed to find the following day? The poop? Yeah. Yeah, sure. (laughs) That oil or substance reportedly seen is believed to have been from local boy Max Lockard. Max admitted that he'd taken a joyride around the area in hopes of seeing something after hearing the reports. Though paranormal investigators are like no 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 that's residue from a tr- that like, that's not residue from a truck that is definitely a spacecraft
1: i'm so confused on <laughs> what kind of truck he drives right now because my buick does not leave patches of gooey oil
0: underneath it uh, you know what in the 50s i don't know like i don't know oh that's okay. probably what happened he changed his oil out there oh yeah he's like oh yeah mm-hmm. this is a great spot for an oil change yeah he's like oh shit i just hit three thousand miles i gotta do this now Ex- exactly now the flatwoods monster it's become a local legend and the residents of flatwood all know about this like they grow up with it if they from the area like this is their mascot uh, a welcome sign would be erected that designated the town of flatwood as home of the green monster the town also ce- celebrates the legend annually during the Flatwood Days Festival. I could not find dates for it, so I'm still looking for that for 2023. I'm assuming it'll be in September, since it was in September in 2022. But I did find an annual Flatwoods Monster Convention on September 9th in Sutton, West Virginia. Okay, so, so we
1: just got to go to West Virginia.
0: Yeah, the, all the good stuff there. And Sutton is not far from Flatwoods. So It's kind of like the surrounding areas all celebrate the Flatwoods monster because they're like, we're all right here. We're homies. We all have some part of that history. There is also a Flatwoods monster museum in the town of Sutton, like a whole ass museum dedicated to this monster going. Um, And the Braxton County Convention and Visitors Bureau also built five large chairs in the shape of the monster. These are like landmarks, visitor attractions my butt needs to be in all five of them because (laughs) if you take a picture in all five of them, you get free Braxy stickers. (sighs) Hold up. And, and the experience of a lifetime. Like I'm, butt in all five. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Done. Um, I guess we can go in in September when we do the annual Flatwoods monster convention. This is going to be the first. Awesome.
1: Because you know what else is in uh, September in West Virginia? Mothman. The Mothman festival,
0: yeah. Oh, okay, so I know because just... the Mothman was brought up a lot in this story. So
1: we're just spending September in West Virginia.
0: Yeah, okay. I mean, Dad. Just so you know, that's where I'll be in September. <laughs> Sorry. Don't ask me to watch your dogs. I guess like not that I watch them very often, but September is going to be busy. So that is the story of the Flatwoods Monster. I I love the Flatwoods Monster. I
1: don't know why. I think it's just because. He looks so...
0: He's so bizarre. Yes. And, this okay, I do want to share the, the very first picture I shared um, where it shows the drawing of the creature with, like, the human standing next to him, but not the less animated version. Mm-hmm. That's, like, the original drawing, and that is actually in that Flatwoods Museum. So, like, that that's a piece of their history. I have to yeah. see it in real life. That's a really good drawing, too. I wonder if that was a police sketch probably it had to have been
1: while they were laughing at him they were like y'all get billy down here he's got to draw this
0: i know right (laughs) but he did billy did such a good job it's hung in a museum now yeah actually i think i said billy but it
1: says andrew smith at the bottom so
0: i don't know if that's who drew it or not honestly because that's clearly like typed in you know yeah it's not really a signature but point is is that the Flatwoods Monster. Boy oh boy. Um was it a ride? It, I had so much fun reading about it today that I completely changed my story. I've
1: almost done this before, but I'm glad you did it because like <laughs> it's just it's always fun to hear about it. Right. And you got to experience it.
0: I just cool. something about it because I've I've looked at this one like six or seven times to do, and I've just never done it until today. Um I'll be honest, my other story has alien stuff in it it's not an a- ufo case um do you want a spoiler i guess i can wait for a surprise i'm gonna do a spoiler okay i did a story about what greys and reptilians are <gasps> so okay. that will be my next my next paranormal so i'm really excited i have ugly yeah. gasped twice in this episode and that was <laughs> one of them Anyway, so you guys now know my next story will also be a ufo story actually <laughs> it might not be my next one because my dad called me the other day and told me he did not like me doing the paranormal games or rituals so i might do a paranormal game or ritual I haven't decided why do you not like those why doesn't he like them because he keeps saying that i'm gonna summon something and i'm like but i'm not doing the ritual dad how are you gonna summon something yeah i don't understand That's what i'm talking about it But then I think about... I'm talking about the Flatwoods monster. I don't know. It looks like a machine. Does it have supersonic hearing here?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I don't know.
0: I don't know anything about these aliens. Okay? Okay.
1: I feel like the Flatwoods monster... Because he or she, they... They're in a dress. Okay?
0: They're classy. Look at that headdress. They're classy. They're flashy. They're just... They're just looking for friends. Okay? And they were met with someone screaming and knocking a child over. Yeah, that's traumatic. And they probably went to help the child, and the child just screamed at them. Yeah. The first person that ever saw them ran away.
1: And then they, they have the opportunity to meet, what, seven friends? They all ran seven away. Seven
0: friends and a dog. Yeah. yeah. Now, I will say, because I mentioned that the group, some of them had some, like, they were nauseous, didn't feel well, after... Um, after like encountering that mist, uh, there were some articles that pointed out that it, their symptoms matched like coming in contact with mustard gas.
1: Oh, who, what, why is there just mustard gas chilling in the forest?
0: Well, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Military. I bet it was the military.
1: Yeah. And that's why they sent that letter. They're like, don't ever talk about this again, because (laughs) really they did it. And they were like, shit, guys. Who called Oops. all these people here?
0: Whoopsies! Didn't yeah. mean to do that. So, anyways, that talked is. They about it on the news, and
1: they were like, "It's aliens." <laughs> and the government was like, "It's okay. Just let them let them think that. Don't just say anything. Let it too. ride."
0: Yeah, let, let it them ride, guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening to Hell on Hills podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Hills podcast, Twitter Hell on Hills Pod, or Facebook by searching Hell on Hills podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Helen Heels Podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or just words of encouragement, please email us at HelenHeelsPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye! Bye!